We've seen already marketing materials of kaiju films taking creative liberties with their cinematic material. But what happens when the mythology and particularly the poster art props up a film well past when it should have left the public consciousness? Well, that's what you get in this week's episode. It's Kaiju versus History, The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. back to kaiju versus history everyone uh this is your host miles and with me in this dive bar of cinema establishments is my good buddy patrick patrick how are you doing this week as hey, we miles do you mind if i if i cut in on this dance real quick <laughs> God. i'm I knew we were going to do this film. We're, we're, we're jumping right back into black and white American science fiction after a, a nice rest stop in Toho scope color. <laughs> I want to go back to Japan. It's never been more apparent than going from. Oh, what did we do right before the? Oh, before the Mysterians was the amazing Colossal Man. So it's the, a similar giant person film from from America. The uh, the 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 threequel of Amazing Colossal Man, the Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman, and then a spoiler warning to what we're gonna watch in uh, next week's episode. Uh, I love and hate, and we'll we'll get to it. Yeah, I, before before we just hop in here, because this is gonna probably be a tighter episode. There's not a ton to say for me about this one, but I am kind of curious, Patrick. You, you were pretty pretty dead set on having this one in our our tackled list of films and i i gotta i gotta ask what did i do <laughs> what did you do <laughs> well yeah unfortunately yeah so this is technically a kaiju movie and it is like a major part of the oeuvre it is so, for some reason it has such a huge impact on the genre i mean particularly i guess like sadly if you're going to Think of one single American giant creature, I guess, in like all cinema. This would be it. This would the attack of 50 foot woman would probably come to most people's minds. And we'll, for reasons we'll we'll talk about. Uh, so I, 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 I will push back a little bit mm-hmm. about this as a kaiju, because we did establish that while they need to be like named sentient monsters, they not just be large animals. And I would say. And this is just me personally, right? That the fifty-foot woman is just a large lady. I, I mean, she's large and in charge. That is for certain. And if it was just some kind of like metal cool thing that made her larger, like in Amazing Colossal Man, we got the fact that he's like he would continue to grow, you know, with this radioactive kind of bone matter that he has. In this movie, there's like. A fantasy element there's a science fiction element we have a giant alien we have potentially (laughs) the magic of diamonds (laughs) in the film so we have all these other elements that do kind of take effect i don't know i think they they do blame her growth on radiation as well 
in in this film. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, you you are correct. She does not breathe atomic fire or have See, any capabilities. If she like did that. any of that, and and if and and if that little rampage wasn't the last like three and a half minutes of this movie, I, I would be a little bit more on board. Like conceptually, mm-hmm. I should be a super big fan of this film. And there is a, a remake of this, or there's many versions of this film. But there was one in the '90s with Daryl Hannah that looks really interesting. <laughs> yeah, we and can't we can't do that one and and not have done this. I mean, I, sure, sure. I I mean, I also don't think I think that's going to do more as a an interesting social film as opposed to a kaiju film. I think it's still going to be it's a large lady. Um, but but before we get into the the oh, background, oh, and we're going to get the, into it. The the history of 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 this movie. Please tell me what's in a title. So a good deal for Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. I mean, spoiler warning, we'll talk about the actual film in a second here. She's not anywhere near 50 foot. (laughs) It's like if they had called King Kong Attack of the 100-Foot Ape, you know? Not close to 100 feet tall. Right. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) A thousand-foot tall ape, you know? (laughs) His scale obviously changed a lot in that movie. She gets maybe up to 25, 30. She's like three stories tall. What What's that? I guess that could be like 40 foot. Yeah. Depending on the, the size of the building. But the original film to kind of play on the success of The Amazing Colossal Man was going to be The Astounding Giant Woman or, or some variation of that. I think part of the reason this movie sticks around is Attack of the 50 Foot Woman has grab you power in just the name oh yeah it is a hundred percent like one of those billboards that just kind of like demands your attention like i mean well and i mean just the words in the title like the the suffix of zilla attack of the blank becomes a a a cultural meme it becomes a a prefix for a lot of movies you know oh yeah And, and it's a language all of itself this does have some other titles in various countries. <laughs> I don't know if they, they translated 50 feet into meters anywhere, but in in various places, Mexico, it got it was just the giant woman, Serbia, the attack of the giant woman. And in Finland, the revenge of the atomic woman. So kind of finally throwing in like, yes, she was irradiated by either a alien or a spaceship, but let's get into the talk of the film itself. And by talking about the film, I actually want to talk about the poster. We we don't talk too much in this and audio podcast about the poster art for these movies, but they are, I mean, before the era of a television in every home where the trailer could be broadcast or going to the movie to see the trailer. The poster is a huge part of a marketing campaign for a film. Mm -hmm. We talked about it a little bit with the giant claw, you know, how deceptive marketing can really help your film, like not taking a picture of the very goofy marionette puppet and, and putting it on your poster. This movie's poster was actually designed by Roger Corbin director extraordinaire (laughs) in i don't think it was well known until he was interviewed in the 80s about it it 
is in the Museum of Modern Art's permanent collection. And yeah, in in, in an interview uh, in his, his later years, he said he you know designed that poster referring to the the main art for for the film, which is a picture of a uh, a giant woman a woman towering over a California freeway, car in hand, and an extremely <laughs> kind of uh, sexual ad where there are cars and people like underneath her skirt <laughs> and, and, and shows kind of the, the freeway going between her, her legs. And yeah, he says, I know I, I designed my own ads and I was sort of in a Freudian picture phrase. Uh, and just as a, a favor, his, his friend Roger designed this picture for producer Bernie Woolner and, you know, said, can you get, make something, sexy to sell this movie that can get past the MPAA. And that's, that's what we get this poster for, for the movie. I don't know. I don't do. Do you want to put a number on it? It's probably a thousand times more popular than the actual film itself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing about this, this poster is it's, it's such an iconic piece of sci-fi history. <laughs> Like, reg- I mean, you don't even have to have seen the movie. And honestly, it's fun if you don't. But, uh, yeah, you look at the poster and you get a, a mental experience, probably more exciting. And, and the movie you come up with your head is is certainly better than the movie that they came up with here. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we talked about deceptive advertising. <laughs> I mean, she's not uh, that tall. I mean, that's like a 70 or 80 foot woman. I feel like oh, in the, uh, easily, the poster. Easily. There's no freeway anywhere in the film. It takes place in the sticks. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, I, I was, I was really bummed out about that aspect. <laughs> and I mean, this, this is very much in that kind of Corman wheelhouse. This movie was shot in eight days for $89,000 and came $10,000 under budget. <laughs> yes. Uh, which... A fact that the, the director at Nathan hurts the the name that director uh, nathan h Juran went under because he probably was a little ashamed by this movie uh, a, a yeah. fact that he was very excited about because they probably got like a bonus you know for coming in under oh, budget I, i'm sure they did and i mean you know it, people in that sphere you know often pride themselves in coming under budget especially if you're you know hanging out with roger corman that was kind of the, the war of the day yeah and but even, even that i mean it's still cheap in in film comparison now eighty nine thousand dollars is about eight hundred twenty thousand dollars in 2021 so it's still produced under a million bucks mm-hmm. <laughs> and, i mean the amount that they came in under budget was also like 10 times what they spent on <laughs> the, the prop for the giant claw <laughs> And yeah, and even though there was, you know, precedent for, a, you know, a giant person film with the amazing Colossal Man coming out first, you know, this movie is, you know, say what you will about the film, but I, I will say it, there is something about this movie that does entice the imagination a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think it's most, I really honestly, I think it's most of the poster. Because I, mean, I, I don't know if you ever got to watch old Mr. Show. There's a great skit in that called uh, that is like the poster, the movie. <laughs> it's a movie about the poster for a movie. And everyone's like, oh, the poster was so good, <laughs> you know, coming out of the theater being interviewed. That's um, so funny. 
or maybe it was like the trailer, the the movie. So it was like just the trailer is like the best part of the film. This, like I said, that I, I, my introduction was not joshing you. This poster has lived well beyond the the film. I've you know before maybe a decade ago, I'd never seen the film, but I've probably seen the poster a thousand times before. It oh, is easily. it's it's hanging up. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's on that same level as like the the cover of Uma Thurman on Pulp Fiction. It's it's up there with that. It's it's got a, also kind of a, a similar style, but it's one that yeah, it, it's hanging up on college students' dorm rooms. You see it in the background for a ton of movies. Um, it's I, I it's, trying it's to get... also it's also just I mean it's been remade and parodied by. And we'll we'll talk about this a, a little bit, but this is definitely one that is just it has remained present in the American consciousness mm-hmm. for sixty years. Whereas the Amazing Colossal Man just doesn't it it doesn't occupy the same space. I mean, the fact that they're both kind of the same movie they, about- they are very much the same movie. I think that while I definitely. Th- that first act of the amazing colossal man I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess we'll get right into it. There's not a whole lot to, to dive into in terms no, of its background. I, I feel like maybe we should do like a, a brief overview of the plot, which do, it does seem very weird for a Kaiju movie. And it's because they had a script that did not have a giant woman in it about, you know, a man, you know, trying to kill his wife to get like an, an inheritance and, and have have his mistress, you know, like run away with them. They had like a completely different script and added in the sci-fi element after the fact, which is probably why the we don't actually see the giant woman until the very end of the film and just kind of get shoehorned in there. But another thing that gets shoehorned in <laughs> is a satellite with a giant bald alien inside. Let's talk about this movie. <laughs> oh boy! So I mean, uh, you, you have you have the the titular woman out with her husband at, at this kind of like local dive or mm-hmm. the happening spot in town. Nancy. Uh, yeah. Well, the place is called what? Tony's. <laughs> oh yes, it, it's like the only set besides their home that we really yeah it's it's (laughs) maybe it's the only bar in town because this place is supposed to be in california but it really feels like you're in like tennessee or something Mm. but so as she's leaving she's upset with her husband because he's clearly flirting with this other woman in front of her and so she storms off and and drives off and as she's coming home she sees this flying saucer and we're we have this kind of buildup that this sightings of a red fireball has been sighted at these different points across the world oh yeah and <laughs> and so to to basically coincide with the fact that it should be passing over north america soon and she sees it and she sees a giant hand well, we see a giant hand. She sees a giant person, <laughs> a giant hairy knuckled hand. Yeah, it's it. And honestly, not a bad looking hand. I, I don't know if they superimposed it or if they just had a paper mache hand that pops up later in the film. Oh no, I think it's that same paper mache hand that we see first. For, well, in that one scene, it looked okay, but when she sees that flying saucer, she has the longest scream reaction I have ever seen. Like she's screaming, and that car is swerving for probably a good twenty seconds. Allison Hayes 
is great in this movie. I think she yeah, does yeah. a wonderful she's, job. She's fine. I'm talking about the, the, the choices that were made by the creators. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm not commenting on the actress's performance. She did what she was asked to, to do. Exactly. And that's a very different thing. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I think almost, almost all the actors make a lot of, of the, the elements here. So she sees an, an alien and it's like, oh, well, this movie really jumped off uh, quickly. Yeah. And th- but then we get a completely different plot of her husband, yeah. Harry. Harry! Played by William Hudson and his and then this uh, movie mistress. goes to sleep for the rest of the film. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it, it's interesting. His his mistress. It's, it's honey. a heavy. It's a it's a forty minutes of a oh yeah a, a, a domestic triangle. Yes, and it, it, a lot of that doesn't really advance very well. But Honey, played by Yvette Vickers, they want. I, I love, guess she, I love I love Yvette Vickers. I think she's so good in this movie. It's yeah, at first she's saying that she didn't do this much. She's the one that's pushing him and he doesn't want to, but like he obviously doesn't love his wife. No. They, they have a terrible relationship. Actually, I don't know if he doesn't want to kill her, but he definitely doesn't care if she lives or dies. Yes, yeah. And uh, we, we do have a completely other fleshed out plot that has nothing to do with aliens or giant people that does kind of drive the movie forward a little bit. Uh, but yeah, th- this her scene in Alien is one of the things that he's like, oh, maybe we can get her committed again, because obviously she has a drinking problem. And, and then it ends up like, oh, we'll get her help. They bring a doctor in. She, you know, is being gaslit very much by her husband, but decides Absolutely. that the only way to kind of move forward in the relationship is he has to believe her about what she saw. And the only way to do that is to take a gun and drive out in their their really classic car. I think they had put my notes here uh, a fifty eight Chrysler Imperial convertible. I mean, it's one of the the few elements in the movie that does seem like a nice production design. They have a great car because she's supposed to be a a millionaire, the the heir of the Fowler dynasty or whatever. Right. She's supposed to have a ton of money. Anyway, she's got a nice car and they're driving around and they eventually do see the <laughs> the satellite. They keep calling it a satellite, not an alien spacecraft or anything like that again. And she just goes up and starts banging on it. And she's like, I told you I wasn't crazy. And it opens up and we get to see an, a full view of the quote unquote alien who is just a bald man <laughs> in what looks like a leftover costume from a a fantasy film or a maybe like a roman adventure the the so his it's like a leather tunic yeah his little tunic looks like it was from a knight movie like a movie about knights because it had that little crest on it right right yeah so maybe maybe fantasy or 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 some kind of antiquity film uh played by michael ross who's also tony the bartender in the movie (laughs) they just like well let's slap some some powder on your your head and get you in this leather harness and now you're the alien for about 15 seconds of the movie maybe and nancy gets taken her her dirtbag husband drives off I forget. Oh, no, he shoots a couple times, right? Because his his gun, he leaves his gun and, and runs off in her car, leaves her. And she comes back home. She's dropped off by the alien on her pool house and then starts to grow. And that's where we finally get like, you know, uh, terrible reaction shots of people seeing that she's huge. And the only thing that we as an audience gets to see giant paper mache hands. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so, you know, eventually she, she, they keep her sedated because they're trying to kind of figure out her condition in the, in the meantime, Harry and honey, uh, Harry and honey are, are, are trying to basically kind of get away with murder. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they keep up with this plan even after the circumstances change drastically and the fact well, that she's so huge. at one point, you know, they kind of know that Harry has messed with her medication, which has caused her to grow even more, but even though it was intended to kill her. And so he popped. So honey has been like, I guess she was a drifter or something. She's been staying at this motel and, you know, they mentioned that she'd only been in town for, you know, a few months or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, Harry just kind of walks in like he owns the place. And I, I kept thinking, because she wasn't expecting him, do these hotel rooms not have locks? I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's like, like a, a uh, she's like a, a resident uh, there. Or, or a hostel or something, maybe. Yeah. So you get stuff like that. You know, obviously the police are, tro- they, they think that, oh, so I'm, I'm sorry, we got ahead of ourselves. At one <laughs> point, but when before they find the body, Harry's wanted to tear out of town. He thinks he's left left her to die at the hands of this giant alien. Well, and I, so it's funny. Police, I I took his like wanting to get out of there. It's like, oh, there's aliens. There's giant aliens, and they might kill us. Yeah, but he also makes no attempt to get Nancy. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, you know, he just kind of wishes her the best of luck. And <laughs> so, the packing scenes that he has in this movie, where he throws open a suitcase and then puts in like three items, like really yeah. haphazardly, and it's like, all right, we're off. <laughs> are, are pretty well, yeah. So he goes to pick up Honey, and they're intercepted by the police. Mm-hmm. And you know, he he has. We have previously seen him kind of you know give a a twenty to a, a cop or something to you know <sighs> cover for him or something. Deputy and, Charlie. Oh, why do you have to bring him uh, up? Not this time, Harry. It's a real Barney Fife character if I've ever seen one. Yeah, Just a goofball. Uh, so he, he, they're they're sitting at the police station all night waiting for the sheriff to come in, and then they receive word that Nancy has been found. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so th- this story, like, I mean, and this this runtime is like what, like sixty six minutes or sixty. 60- or oh, 79 it's, minutes it's, it's not it's long super short and it's one of the reasons why it's kind of enjoyable is because i mean i kept looking at the runtime I was like oh well it's almost over at the very least uh, well so but my my thing is like it just like the amazing colossal man you know we, we this builds up to the rampage of the 50 foot woman yeah and it, it's so clumsily done the the way they shot it and the way they shoot the the alien as well i mean it's it's dirt cheap and it looks it. it, it, it there was no intent. It's confusing. Are they supposed to look kind of see through? Transparent? <laughs> Transparent? I don't, I don't think they're supposed to look. I think it's just effects. That, yeah, it's just bad effects. What's and, so funny, you know, this is, you know, easy shot composition stuff with rear screen projection that they've been doing since King Kong 30 or no, 24 years earlier. Long enough. <laughs> Yeah, that, that they could have, you know, spent some of that extra money that they didn't spend <laughs> from the budget and, and made something a little more pop, uh, easily <laughs> believable on the eyes. And while, yes, it's kind of neat to see her like, you know, do the King Kong move where she burps her hand through Honey's, you know, hotel window, even though she's mm-hmm. not there. The the scene, I mean, it's, it's it takes place the last four and a half minutes of the film. And. Oh is filled with iconic lines like, I can't shoot a lady. 
<laughs> oh boy. And so yeah, Deputy they have this Charlie. weird shootout where you know she basically kills Honey and Harry, and then yes, gets was. killed in return. Honey, Honey runs and hides, and a crossbeam falls on the table. And I don't, I don't know if they ever like take her pulse or anything. But Harry leaves her and and runs out because of and, course he does. <laughs> well, and he gets picked up by a giant hand. And it's it's one of those things that's very similar to the Amazing Colossal Man, where I think we're supposed to be led to believe that maybe. Nancy is like not all there right now because of being enlarged and being drugged and things like that. She doesn't really say a lot besides Harry. <laughs> yeah, no, she she gets very little to do, and it's and it's unfortunate because she's a very solid actress. And we, and we didn't even mention. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt the 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 kind of subplot, I guess, or the the element where her hope diamond. Uh, necklace was taken by the alien and the sheriff and his deputy. I forget who went with him. Maybe it was Harry go sneak onto the alien ship and have this weird scene where they see other diamonds. And they actually have some interesting production design here where they, they see them in these giant crystal balls and their faces kind of get distorted as they're, they're looking at them to, to the camera. But the ship like runs on diamonds and maybe that's why the alien, you know, well, I I guess was hanging out (laughs) in and around the country where Nancy lives to to get her diamond and then leave the planet. Who knows? But there's just so many weird elements kind of like thrown into this this film. I'm sorry, I interrupt you. You want to go on about the the acting? Well, so not just the acting. I mean. Mm -hmm. Everyone's everyone's written very, very poorly here, but I also I hate how this film ends. I mean, they kind of blow up a transformer near her and that somehow kills her. And yes, this movie ends so appropriately as one of the older sheriffs or investigators kind of like looks around, shrugs and walks off as the (laughs) as the words the end pop up, which which perfectly sums up how I felt as this movie finished. <laughs> Can you imagine if Fay Ray had died in King Kong's hand at the end? Like they had both fallen off the the Empire State Building. <laughs> it's like, and then just, <laughs> um, just walks by and just shrugs. Yeah, yeah. What's his What's his name? Uh, instead of uh, you know, Denim. It, it was yeah. Instead of uh, was Beauty to kill the beast. Uh, Denim just like, oh well, <laughs> just walks away. <laughs> That's lunch, guys. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm uh, I'm not getting my deposit back in that theater. <laughs> yeah, but like like, yeah, like I, 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 said, I will give them credit for for that that part of the ending because that was wonderful. <laughs> terrible, terrible writing i think really awful direction in in a lot of instances the fact that they don't sell what is the main conceit of the movie and the fact that she's a giant woman outside of a hand prop and the the very short scenes where we see her walking around i will say i I do like the miniature building that she does get to smash through but yeah i wish that had happened earlier i felt like steven universe because all i wanted to see her turn (laughs) into was a giant woman a giant woman giant woman i I didn't get to see that but for four and a half minutes of just a clumsy shot she's giant for about 20 minutes of the film we never get to see her like that one shot uh, or one scene i should say in amazing colossal man where he wakes up in this 
tiny bed for him and and sees like the pitcher the water pitcher and the the phone and things like that we really needed that and it just isn't in this movie unfortunately so yeah allison hayes she works in this movie she is she elevates it a little bit and and way too good of acting for the the material she's given you know she's she's gaslit she's manic in parts she's jealous and and sad and and portrays junk uh, a drunken kind of stupor extremely well it it rests on her shoulders but also harry the the actor who plays her husband william hudson and yvette vickers do do a great job the sheriff is okay deputy <laughs> can't stand but yeah allison hayes really seemed to have kind of the big person routine at the end of the movie down where she's just kind of lumbering mm-hmm. it, it shows her moving very slowly Similarly, Glenn, Glenn Manning and, and the amazing colossal man had that. Okay. And just, just like that movie, we needed more of that at the end, but other elements that worked in this movie. I mean, it, it the, the subplot of the $50 million and him trying to kill off his wife kind of works. It, it more detracts from <laughs> I, I, what I would say is the, the actual plot of aliens and giant women, but I guess plot wise, it does help to move things forward. Usually in these kaiju films, we don't have a great human plot. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. kind of working along with like what is happening during the disaster. This is a little, I mean, at the very least there's because it was a different script beforehand. There's other plot elements that do kind of flow. And like I said, it's, it's only like an hour long movie. So there's not that much they can really have in here, but I mean, there's so many things throw a dart. What didn't work in this film? Uh, what, what do you think is like the most egregious element that is, that is in here? Um, and, and why is it Deputy Charlie? <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> Who gave I mean, that I, man a gun? Yeah. The Deputy Charlie is is absolutely the worst. He's like you mentioned, Bar- Barney Fife. It's like Barney Fife's drunken cousin. <laughs> yep. Took some shrapnel during the war. He's not all there. I... I... So much of this movie does not work for me. There, there is certainly potential, and I think the the actors' performances are not the issue. I, I, I think they work with what they're given. I think they everyone does something very, very well. What they're given to do, however, isn't all that interesting. And I, I wish it was. So <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to, because I, I can't even tell you, like, my favorite scene is likely what I told you, that that shrug at the end. That was That was pretty great. <laughs> And, and the individual performances like Hayes Hayes was fantastic. And I mean, it's, 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 it sucks that, you know, especially both women who I think are, are excellent in this film didn't do a ton. Hayes did more and yeah, you know, both of them didn't lead ex- lives that had exceptionally happy endings at all, uh, which is extremely sad. Yeah, but, I, 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 I mean, it's such a major part of the history of the the film is that while her character, Allison Hayes's character, Nancy in the film is irradiated and has, you know, a tragic end. Allison Hayes, unfortunately, did as well. She mm-hmm. started taking an oral calcium supplement subs- uh, prescribed by a Hollywood doctor in I think in around this time when this film was made like late fifties and started getting, getting episodes of dizziness, fatigue and things like that. And to, to combat that her doctor prescribed her to take more of this 
this calcium supplement. And it wasn't until later on in the 60s where she was doing her own research, because at this point she was walking with a cane as like a 30 something year old woman. She was she was having difficulty getting roles because she was in constant pain. She was so irritable. She was having you know problems with directors, problems with other actors. And and sadly, she had to basically self-diagnose. She had read uh, about people that suffered from lead poisoning and had other similar exposures to drugs and things like that and determined that or you know discovered that there were elements in her supplements that she had been taking for, at this point for five or six years that were causing her to become ill. And she mounted a campaign for the FDA to ban the the sale of you know those kind of food supplements that had uh, potential lead elements and things like that and and won and you know you know had court cases and things go through to try and and you know bring the this company down and things like that unfortunately she passed away in the the 70s i believe 1977 she didn't even make it to to 50 years old but yeah, in real life, she was fighting this battle against <laughs> a terrible a circumstance that mm-hmm. caused her body to kind of attack itself, which is a shame that we didn't get more of her. I feel like she's she's one of those that really could have taken off and, you know, she just had a lot of energy, even in this terrible movie that she brought to this role. She was, like you said, in a few more films and she had some TV appearances. But yeah, left us too soon because of these these the, the terrible lead poisoning and, and diseases that, that came with it. And <laughs> yeah, do, do you want to talk about Yvette Vickers? I don't know. We, we, we had talked about mentioning it. We were, but we also both agreed that it was extremely depressing. Yeah, she lived uh, much longer. Um, she, she did live much longer. Uh, she she was last seen alive in 2010, and and at some point between that time and and soon after, uh, she basically had kind of pulled away from any everyone and became a little bit more of a hermit, and like she had withdrawn from her her family, and essentially her neighbor found her mummified body on april 27th 2011 they don't know the month of of her her death but forensic scientists have concluded that she may have been dead for an entire year before her body was discovered Mm. um there were no signs of foul play and her autopsy was completed who ruled her death to be the result of heart failure resulting from coronary artery disease but you know, a lot of her story is is exceptionally sad, and I know that a lot of apparently she had a, a, a not a relationship relationship, but a, a a working relationship with Hugh Hefner, who apparently expressed both sorrow and outrage at her lonely death, and mm-hmm. talking about how how she was always so full of life when when he knew her in in the sixties, I think. Yeah, and- there's there's just so many stars of that time that the studio system kind of used chewed up and then spit out i mean unfortunately to say especially women um yeah who once they they hit a certain age just weren't getting uh the the roles anymore that they they had been for you know 10 or 20 years and i mean it, it's it's terrible how how she she died and i, I really wish there were communities 
around these kind of B movies that that existed that could have really helped keep their performances in the zeitgeist kept them i mean as terrible as this movie is both of these leading ladies do a fantastic job i mean they they, do they take the worst lines and really spin them into gold (laughs) i think i think it's what breaks my heart also about this movie is there is so much potential that is completely just not Wandered. utilized. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let, let's go. My, my personal, <laughs> well, let's just get into our, our personal ratings. You know, every, every, every week as, as everyone wells, well knows now we rate these movies on a scale of one to 10 to individually look at the personal enjoyment, the mm-hmm. technical and aesthetic elements of the film and the emotional and evocative responses that this generates as a piece of art. We then combine those scores to get the official number for our podcast. So, I think it's going to be a divisive one this week. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off with the personal enjoyment, which is at, a, at what I consider a generous four. I yeah. think the the concept is good. I think the performances are good. I think absolutely nothing else works in this movie. I think the mm. writing is atrocious. The special effects, it's not even that they're bad. There, it just—it looks like no attempt was made, and and but that you definitely to me don't. Is what insults me as an audience member? Yeah, you don't feel the love that from last week's episode and the Mysterians that we got from the special effects department. You feel like they were just doing what they could to get that movie on the screen. And yeah, I mean, even movies like The Deadly Mantis, I at least feel like <laughs> as as bad as oh, I Deadly Mantis. Is I think great that movie was. Yeah, there was at least some sort of effort that was made, even if they were using regular mantises. Um, (laughs) That's just that one scene. (laughs) Yeah, but I I just I really, really wish that this movie could have lived up to its its potential. But it just it just does not work for me. It slogs for 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 far too long. Mm -hmm. And even when she starts growing, like you mentioned, yeah, in the last 20 minutes, you know, she's she's growing, but we don't actively see the the fruits of that until the last like five and uh, yeah i i i just i it re- i was really excited to watch this movie because it is such an iconic title but it th- this ain't this ain't it fam <laughs> it, it's extremely iconic we'll talk about the legacy after we we rate this but i personally enjoying this watching this film i i went in the same world as when I watched the giant claw and the campiness and the bad elements kind of enriched my enjoyment. So like I said in the beginning here, I half hated half loved this film, but it, the, the love for the campiness kind of came through. This is schlock. This is camp. And this is really the fifties kind of tied in a bow I, in the same way that plan nine from outer space. I could rewatch in in a way and enjoy it. I feel like I could rewatch this and and also enjoy it. So I feel like if it was, I'm, I'm a, glad that one of us can. If it was a longer movie, I might have liked it less. Which is like, I mean, it's it's hard to quantify. If it was a, if they had cut some scenes out, it probably would <laughs> make it a little bit better. But yeah, we get we got aliens cheating husbands, giant lady hands. This one I rated seven out of ten, and. Not of that. A lot of that uh, enjoyment is coming from the technical aspect. From the technical aspect, this is a bad, bad movie. It is bad. It should feel bad. 
you've got the mini hotel roof that she kind of smashes through the window, the giant hand. Those at least feel like they attempted to, to put something palatable on the screen, but almost every other part of the, the movie from the director's point of view, it, it felt lazy. So I gave it a four out of 10 for, for the technical aspect, which now I'm, I'm realizing is pretty generous in that aspect. Yeah. I, I felt generous too, with my awarding of three out of 10, mm. I, I, for all the reasons that, that Patrick just stated. And for the reasons I stated before, I, I feel like, yes, this was a, this was a rush job to get a film called attack of the 50 foot woman on onto a screen. I think that outside of the actress performances, which is the only saving grace of the film, there is no love in this. There is no real effort. And it, for the same reasons I was talking about last week when we were talking about the Mysterians, about how a lot of these American movies feel embarrassed by what they are. It just it felt like someone showed up that day you know, punch some lines in a typewriter and hand them to the actors who were all very capable actors. But when you give a good actor bad lines, there ain't a whole lot they can do about it. Um, Allison Hayes saw the script and was like, really? All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were, okay. they were, they were professional about it. So yeah, I just, I, nothing, nothing for that in terms of the technical really worked for me. I, I, I did enjoy, yes, some of the set pieces being destroyed, but it was even, even that was like not enough to like really save it for me. Yeah. Now it's a little confusing though, because from our last score, part of that is like how this movie resonates in the genre and the emotional kind of impact it had on people watching it then, people watching it now. It's hard to quantify, but this is probably one of the, like I said, the most influential American side, uh, you know, kaiju films of the 1950s. This is up there with them, which is crazy because them is an actually good film. (laughs) But this is this what puts the pop in pop culture. This is as influential as King Kong in some elements, you know? Yeah, I I, I would definitely agree with that. I, I think that, you know, this is this is a film that, you know, the the strength of the poster has definitely outlived everything else about it. And this movie has shown up in pop culture throughout the decades. Um, I mean, you had a super villainous in DC Comics, Giganta who oh, is yeah. inspired by this. You have episodes of so many cartoons in the 80s and 90s, Ninja Turtles, Johnny Bravo, you know, Phineas and Ferb now, Smallville have all had some sort of reference. If the episode's not called Attack of the 50-Foot Blank, oh, yeah. you'll have a poster of the film. Heck, even, and if we're not doing this movie, we should. 2009's Monsters vs. Aliens has a character named Ginormica who was, directly inspired because they use all of the major kind of sci-fi tropes at the time Mm -hmm. as, as a superhero team, she's directly inspired by the 50 foot woman. Oh, even though Reese Wilson's character is 49, 11 and a half inches tall, (laughs) which I I love that gag. There's a reason obviously for that height. You mentioned the 1993 remake directed by Christopher guest of all people, right? Um, they like, also what a wild, <laughs> wild choice. They basically did a, a softcore porno movie called Attack of the 60 Foot Woman. I think oh no, Attack of on. the 60 Foot Centerfold. Oh, sorry, I, I misread my notes. Attack of the 60 Foot Centerfold, yeah. And then Roger Corman himself would make a spiritual successor, a spoof film called Attack of the 50 Foot Cheerleader. And that's like filmed just, in 3D. 
that, that's scratching the surface of this film's legacy. Like I said, you, you can go through IMDb and Wikipedia and there are, I mean, hundreds of instances of that poster showing up in movies, TV shows, not just references, but the actual poster for for the film. It's crazy. And and for that reason, I gave it a, a pretty high score for its legacy, its its emotional impact on, on the genre. I gave it an eight out of ten. I, I originally had it at nine. I was like, that's that's too high. That's too high, Patrick. Uh, a seven or eight, I feel like, is, is right on the money for yeah. for that. And, you know, a, a bad movie can do good things. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I gave it a seven out of 10 and I, yeah, I completely agree. I think that the, the reach of this movie, you know, despite how you feel about it, you know, it can't be understated. This movie has had an influence and it's wild because the movie, not great, but that poster and that piece of art has, I think kind of lit up the imaginations of, of people for for years and years and years and probably will continue to do so especially as people love kind of doing this throwback sci-fi i i would not be surprised especially in the kind of using social commentary at to remake some of these classic things as we recently saw with lee Wanell's invisible man in uh 2020 Mm -hmm. i i could see an interesting social remake of attack of the 50-foot woman being really good under the right with the right people attached to it yeah exactly i i feel like we deserve uh, i mean <laughs> sadly the 1993 one is also kind of like joking but we deserve like an actual feminist look at this exactly. movie this, this film has probably been written about like five thousand times for uh for like what what is the underlying message and things like that the film's not good you don't need to read that much into it but the ideas the concepts are are interesting anyway yeah i i i I absolutely agree (laughs) (laughs) which is which is why we've got a weird lopsided score here (laughs) but that will bring your score to a four and mine to a six which an average for this episode the the kaiju versus history score as a five out of ten right down there in the middle i, I think that works I, I i think it's a little too kind to be honest I, I mean sadly i think it's one of the better ones in the 50s as far as american movies go which is not saying a lot but no it's not <laughs> but it is it's saying enough so that's going to be the final score for for the the film and it's going to do it for this week's episode. It wasn't that bad, right, Miles? <laughs> You'll forgive me. And our I don't audience. know. I, I don't know if I'll forgive you. Tell me, what are we doing next week? <laughs> well, before that, follow us. Guys, I'm so full of hopes and Twitter. dreams. <laughs> Email us how much you love Attack of 50 Foot Woman at Kaiju versus History at gmail.com and get ready for the next installment of our March through monster movie history. Thank you, Miles. But we got to do it. We've got to close out. We didn't have this movie on the list originally, but there is a giant human trilogy, <laughs> spiritual kind of trilogy of American kaiju films. And this time, it's not a human necessarily, but it's something more beastly, outright beastly. Uh, tune in next time as we talk about history versus War of the Colossal Beast. <laughs>